This week on Smash Bros. I don't know what to say. Say yes. I'm in tech. Is that the same thing as yes? Smash Bros. Hello and welcome to Smash Bros. Wow, that, the- was, that was a sultry beginning already. <laughs> you, you blew it. I could have done a whole I'm sultry sorry. intro. No, it would have been I'm like sorry. it would be, be like that jazzy intro to this episode uh hello and welcome to smash bros the podcast about the nbc musical drama series smash that ran on nbc from From 2012 to 2013 it's true uh we are here today uh on a rainy day i think of smash bros recordings as as a hot summer thing so it's very odd to like walk here in the rain um on a rainy day in New York City. We're coming um, to you live from yesterday because this will yeah, release right. tomorrow. We've caught up with ourselves. Yes. Uh, we are here to discuss episode 13 of said NBC musical drama series, Smash. When did that air, Jimmy? 2012 to 2013. <laughs> On what network? That would be the National Broadcasting Company. And baby. what was the title of the show? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Smash. Uh, I love that. CBS, right? That's... <laughs> Ooh, that's Sondheim, right? That's topical. No, no CBS talk these <laughs> days. Um, yeah, that's. I think Sondheim did write those chimes. Uh, Sondheim. Chime. Mm, that no, tasted more, good. No more podcasts. We're okay, done. sorry. Um, we're di- we're discussing the episode tech yes. tech, uh, and we have with us a lovely guest uh, who's been checking the lights in here. She's just she came right in and immediately started teching the uh, the whole podcast. <laughs> She is a uh, writer, performer, uh, and a, a musical theater writer, a, uh, a jack of all trades. I could have just left it writer, performer, but then yeah. I was just like, I need to say more. I don't know why I felt like I need to say more. Her name is Kate Leonard. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. We're very happy to have you. Um, fun story that um, that there's, a, first of all, a siren going past, which is how you know that we're recording in a real live Manhattan freaking podcast studio. That's right. Um, we, Kate and I, met. In a UCB class where I think you were the first person in my life to tell me that you had listened to... We had, like, just released the first episode or the preview episode of Smash Bros. Yeah, I asked your name, and then once you confirmed what it was, I was like, great, I love your podcast. And I was like, I th- I've never felt cooler in my whole <laughs> life than in that moment. And Has then, it happened once since then? Um... No, I, don't think so. I think that was it. One <laughs> the one fan like willing to show your face in public. Exactly. You have the people online who who like it, but yeah, but, yeah. tweet at us. But. Yeah, um, and, and then t- yeah, and then full circle today. We we scheduled Kate for the podcast, and uh, then this very morning we started a new improv class, and she was in it, and she told me just listen to your podcast. <laughs> So, as far as we know, all Kate does is go to improv classes and listen to Smash Bros. Yeah, that's about right. That's a really uh, hard life, and I'm sorry about that. I get through it. (laughs) It takes a lot. So, let's get into the smash of it all. Yeah. Let's let's start smashing. Um, Where were you in 2012? Uh, I was working on uh, the Netflix series House of Cards. We were prepping the first season. Okay. And... uh, I was enjoying smashing my leisure hours, the few that I had. So you, I mean, I, we know what it's like to work on a, on a schedule like that. You have very few hours where you're not working, and you chose 
to in those hours you were like smash was a high enough priority yep. that, it, that you yeah. that you needed to to watch it and what why why were you a person who needed to watch smash did do you come from a musical theater background were you doing musical theater were you seeing musical theater well i'd always loved musical theater and i'd always done it in like uh, middle school and elementary school and high school and then didn't do any during college uh just improv and basically no other performing and uh then i went straight into working in tv which along with theater had been one of my passions and so uh i was actually interested in smash as a tv show because i've always had a strong fondness for teen soaps and although this show was about adults they act like teenagers so to me it felt like it was continuing in the vein of like the oc or dawson's creek or all those other brilliant pieces of television history degrassi or oh i love degrassi i even watched the netflix show episodes wow yeah no i shouldn't i'm an adult woman and all those actors are 12 <laughs> to smashy um oh, that was not <laughs> listen i i asked for I a lot of leniency that for a second and then i just i just was back in and i heard degrassi and i was like <laughs> well i gotta say to smashy before we move on <sighs> um but okay so so you start watching and what what were your feelings back in the day i mean were you were you uh watching love watching hate watching ambivalent watching Ooh. Uh, definitely not ambivalent, but I think it was sort of a back and forth on the love hate roller coaster sure. because I was mad at the show for not being better, right? Yeah, um, which I is think. an experience I've had with several theater related TV shows. <laughs> sure, uh, but yeah, it, I enjoyed it. I came back because I was following the stories and excited about it and lo- loved the show that they were putting together. Although by that, I guess I mean the songs they were putting together yes. because right. the book. I is actually, not- this is something no I want to talk about that sort of ties into this episode, but more just because we have you here and you're you're. A writer in this field i want to talk about like what i want to talk about bombshell a little bit i want to talk about like what i mean maybe we can get into that now like what we've seen of bombshell what is this show and then second question what we've talked about a lot about like what we want smash to be but what would your ideal bombshell be we're also putting you very hard on the spot right now. So. No, yeah. this, uh, this is the industry, baby. You just you say we need this fixed right now. Fixed bombshell. No, I mean like what? What is this show? What? Yeah, well, it's interesting to think about because uh, so much like Julia Houston, uh, I'm a lyricist and book writer, and I am developing a biographical musical about a person who was roughly contemporary to Marilyn Monroe and um, not going songs first because that doesn't make any sense. Uh, generally, you would, you know, set up your your larger story, your structure, and then right. figure out where certain songs fit best and try to approach from that perspective because generally, like, there are musicals that break the mold, but generally, you know, your I Want song is the sure. third song and that's how you get to know your character really well and what they want and Which how I would not say, get it. Oh, is Let Me Be Your Star and I Want song? I think it is. It depends on like, where it goes in the show. Yeah, that's the problem. exactly right. Right. Yeah. It yeah. depends on where it goes in the show and which where right it goes now in the journey of the, the character. Right the show, right? Is that the sense that Let Me Be Your Star is the first song? Think, well, it's the first song in the show, but I don't know if it ever actually, if they ever actually say... Well, there's a point, I don't know if you've gotten to it yet, Marty, but okay, there's a point I, where they okay. rework the narrative by moving that song to the beginning, but I don't know whether we're there yet in the smash mm-hmm. timeline. I forget. I, well, they've given one episode to tech. So I, I don't, I can't, it's just, I, well, that's for the out of town, out of town tryout. That's true. Then they have to move and they have to, to Broadway, Broadway tech. Right. That's true. 
Where are they in Boston? They're in Boston. Although, in, based on the way they do Point. it in the show, it's in the larger New York metropolitan <laughs> exactly. area. Yeah, I like when there's the scene where they're where it's Dev and Karen like out on what I guess we're supposed to believe is like the Charles River Esplanade, <laughs> and it's just the their the focus is racked, so you cannot tell yep. what the skyline behind them is. It's like, oh, you're that's Greenpoint. That's Point. You're Green like, Point. Well, and at the beginning of the episode, they go to Grand Central instead of Penn Station, which right, I acknowledge right. is a much better looking station, and sure. that's why shows shoot there. Right. But then they get on the Metro North and the train says metro north you can't even get halfway to boston through connecticut what are they doing they went to greenwich connecticut (laughs) and then they took a metro bus from there to uh providence rhode island yeah they took they got on the vermonter (laughs) Mm -hmm. it took four and a half days to get there that's all from penn station also though eileen later says like oh and i'm going into new york later like it's the most casual thing like it's a metro north right away not she has her three personal and a half hour. chopper i think yeah she- <laughs> the rand industries chopper except yeah. that now her ex-husband probably has the rand industries chopper so she probably is like taking a car she for has, four hours she just says nick like go and hijack the chopper or something yeah. it's just oh, another- i need to get my producer <laughs> girlfriend from boston it's like this is a non-stop chopper <laughs> <laughs> non-stop chopper non-stop, non-stop. copper He's an undercover cop. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna really <laughs> no I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to hear this. He's an undercover cop, and he's it's on a, a cop a, a chopper that can't go below two thousand feet. So it's it's speed now. It's yeah. speed in but a it, chopper, but, elevation? but it's height. Yes. It's, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, height. it's called height. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's called nonstop copper. You can't. Uh, no, it's called a height. A story, a, a non, a nonstop copper chopper story. It's like the whole Star Wars Rogue One sort of feel. Yeah, exactly. It's very similar to Star Wars Rogue One. I was at work all day, and I'm really in the mood to derail this, so I'm very sorry. I'm gonna try not to derail <laughs> this, but derail I'm like, this train, my daughter's on it. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so so structurally, we're talking about bombshell. Yeah, yeah. I I feel this way too. That like what. There's no book. There's no scenes. It's almost all charm songs, yeah. right? <laughs> Which is like, you know, not even in vogue anymore for musical theater. You right. don't really do charm songs now. You do comedy songs. Not that it isn't valuable to have charm songs and learn how to do what, them. I what's, apologize. What's What's, what's the difference shot? between a charm song and a comedy song? Um, a I charm song ask. isn't explicitly funny. It's to give the audience a break. So if you're at a moment of high tension, then you use a charm song for that relief and the the fun of watching it and then right. you move back Whereas to the Whereas a comedy story. song they're like slapping each other with fish and like <laughs> right, doing yeah. like high uh, kicks. They're bananas on stage yeah. that people slip on. <laughs> well no I feel like I see I feel like two reasons I feel like in both um, Come From Away and Waitress there's like these moments where it's all of come a sudden Come From Waitress like, sorry. <laughs> come, come From Waitress uh, there's all of a sudden these like huge comedy songs in the middle of a like sort of dark-ish play. Yeah well Like where it's like a guy jumping really high. It's Waitress is a tricky case because that whole show is supposed to be about how a woman's life is ruined by her husband being unable to accept her autonomy. And then you have a fun little comedy song about a man mm. refusing to accept a woman's autonomy right. that the audience then st- stands up and cheers <laughs> right. for. That's the biggest so, ovation. Of the I world. don't want to break that one down structurally because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Well, in Cumberland Way, they just kiss a fish and there's nothing wrong with that. No. I never saw it. Um, here's my thought of what I want Bombshell to be. I want it to be like a Vita mm-hmm. where it's like starts with her death and then we sort of tell her life from the start in like little snippets. But here's who I want to be 
the Che Guevara role or the Che role, depending on how you interpret the role in Aida, uh, whether he's the average Argentinian or whether he's the <laughs> revolutionary figure Che Guevara. We all know this controversy about the way in which you interpret Aida. I want that to be Norma Jean. I I want mm. her to be like telling the story, like the like who Norma Jean could have been sure. if she wasn't Marilyn, looking at it and be like, make these, make the right choice, Marilyn, and then yeah. Marilyn makes the other. choice. Well, I think that is kind of what they did. This still might be in a future episode. I really don't know. But when they open the show with Let Me Be Your Star, and then you have all of the other similar women standing on the the different levels behind her. They've shown that. Where it's like like the weird everyone's in boxes, and it feels... Yeah, and they're like, like, pop, squish. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But I think that they were going for a similar idea there. Well, I always thought that's where they would go with the Karen and Ivy thing. It's like a Norma Jean and Marilyn thing, because you've got the brunette and the blonde. Right, you've got the blonde boring one and the interesting one right right well, okay now i'll say something Ooh, who's, who's norma jean <laughs> oh that's marilyn it's monroe's like, real it's name. like her real yeah. it's her real self. okay so that's what i mean is that it would be like the I was real like, self i didn't know if that was like another stage name of her and then she was a real because i you know what's fucked up this is i'm on episode 13 and i still don't know uh, me a smart ish person still doesn't know anything about marilyn monroe oh I but mean, you know all the things that derek says about her to manipulate people yeah, exactly. I, think, but I think i think that's on you they've said so many <laughs> marilyn monroe facts in no nah, no nah, they glowed. said she, exactly <laughs> you know she about hairs the all, hair is all, hairs all over her body <laughs> she was terrified of being thought of as a joke Fuck this show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, let's get into the... Should we get into the episode? Let's let's get into it. This was a hard episode, man. There were parts of it. It starts out, and it starts out with... You you texted texted me this. Can I read the text that you sent me? Sure. Actually, I don't have to read it. There was nothing. It wasn't witty. I just said... No, but it was just... um, It was just like... This, it says, oh, wow, the opening montage of this episode is exactly what Smash should have been, or at least one of the options for what it should have been. And I completely agree. It's literally what we said last week of, like, why don't we have a song that dictates the, the if we're looking at it like an umbrella or whatever, like the umbrella arc of what Smash the TV show is trying to do, the arc of what Bombshell is trying to do, which is not super successful there, but then also just, like, the arc of what's happening in the world right now. And it's like a fucking montage where you're seeing action and not people just talking and saying things and it's one of the rare times that we actually see like a standard like a musical theater standard and it's like they could do that more i don't know why they don't do that more well and uh they're just playing it for fun because they want to instead of having some weird contrivance where they have to be performing because there's no other reason a person who's a professional singer would ever sing right unless they're at karaoke or Or they're like on prednisone or they're forced into a sing-off in a hotel hotel. that was hard to watch (laughs) that was hard to watch uh, but yeah, so it's this, it's, they're singing the Cole Porter, another opening, another show, sort of a weird rendition. Like, I didn't love the rendition. Yeah, I'm not, not a huge it's fan. It's a little it. odd, but like, it got that's like, that's a great song. That's a great, like, show opening number. Like, that's, that's a great, like, gets you pumped. And my big thing with this episode is like, growing up doing, doing theater, doing high school theater, doing theater during the summer and stuff, like, there is that... And and into doing it like a little bit more legitimately in like college and some afterwards, like there's that that like excitement of like moving into the theater and like seeing the sets for the first time. That like smell, that like yeah. sort of sawdust smell. Yes. That's like I, I always think like when I whenever I'm like, Well, I'm done with theater and then I get to do a show and I'm like 
go in for the first to see the set or go in when you're in the theater for the first time you smell that theater it's like oh my god i'm i'm home for like, me that's, it's, it's, oh the smell of freshly painted set yes. it's amazing yes <sighs> the third smell it's the sawdust the fresh paint and for me it's it's the smell of hairspray in the oh, dressing yeah. room. Yes. Like cryolon, like, like the shitty cryolon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like Aquanet, uh, Aquanet. Aquanet. Yeah, exactly. That like brings back such yeah. visceral memories. And I feel like this opening five minutes does get you excited. And then it just all sort of, they don't ever explore that excitement again. Yeah, it's, it's tough. What, were, what was your thought going into the episode? Did you, and when, when was the last, you, you have not, or you've been re-watching Smash? Yeah, so this is right around the time where I stopped the first time I watched it. I, not intentionally, I wasn't like, this show sucks, I give up. I just uh, lost interest, had other things going on. Um, and then uh, maybe three months ago, I started completely rewatching the series from the beginning, saw the second season for the first time, uh, and was very invested in it. I, like, could not stop watching it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, my feelings on it, I think, are different now than they were then, uh, because it's easier to view the show without mourning what it could be, just because I know what it's never going to be now, instead mm-hmm. of every week holding out hope That's that it'll become yeah, a better that show. That's interesting, yeah, that you've accepted what it is, and, yeah. and do you think that then makes it like you're able to see the good parts more or you're yeah. just able to like view it from a distance and be like, whatever it is. What well, I think the really good parts were always like Megan Hilty singing and yeah. that hasn't changed. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think it's more fun to watch as like a piece of silly bubblegum TV without missing out on anything this time. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That's, a, that's an attitude we need to have more. Marty and I get too enraged. By it. <laughs> yeah. I try, I try not to, but it's hard. It's just tough. I want it to be, it's like a, I want it to be great, and when it's not, I get frustrated. Yeah, but compare that to like the potential Rise had, because Rise sure. had been amazing and was so much worse than Smash. Yes. Smash was, I don't think it was ever going to be uh, the finest piece of art on television. Yeah. But it was enjoyable. Smash is not hard to watch, and I know I've said many times that Smash is hard to watch, but like really, like objectively, Smash is not a difficult program to watch or get enjoyment out of. Like, when I turn on the episodes, I'm like, all right, I'll watch this. This is, you know, it's a TV show. Going into this episode, did it feel... Here, here's a question I'll ask you with your with your uh, your TV insider knowledge. Did it feel to you from episode 12 to episode 13, and I do not know what the, like, timeline of anything was, but, like, their episode order got cut down from 22 to 15 or something because... It feels to me like a sudden, sh- like speeding up, like like a, a massive tonal so, shift, also, and a massive tonal shift, and like suddenly Julia and Frank are back together. Yeah, suddenly it's they're been like, a week. "Can we make it official?" Oh, <laughs> yes, a great thing for your son to say. <laughs> right. yeah. Hey, I, I just want to know you, you guys, you guys fucking yet? yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, it just feels like suddenly it's like, oh, we are like ramping up till the end when they have taken things so painfully slow sometimes yeah yeah well i've only worked on shows where you produce the entire season before anything is released and anyone has any thoughts on it and like yes that influences subsequent seasons but this is a show where it started coming out and the writers were still working on it and we're still revising and it does feel like i know there's the whole burn story idea but they were burning story in interpersonal relationships not in the show Yes. 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 yes yes and i feel like they probably got the feedback that like okay, can we move Bombshell along instead of, like, Julia's boring marriage yeah. and all of the Ellis stuff that doesn't seem to be leading to anything substantial? Yeah. Where I- is his little sister? 
<laughs> she's still in China, Marty. She's still there. But she's waiting. She's waiting. She's waiting for him. For him. <laughs> I think every episode, you know, like, did you guys ever watch Twenty Four? I watched the first season of Twenty Four. Yeah, I watched like the first couple, and it would just like it would do a thing because it always had like the ticking clock element to it, where like there'd be a character you hadn't seen for a very long time, and then like right near the end of the episode, it'd be like, let's catch up with them, and just show like one shot of them, like beep 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 and it's like them doing their thing yeah i think every episode of smash should just end with a ticking clock of the girl in china just waiting waiting for leo yeah oh boy oh leo leo had one moment of okay acting in this episode i thought is it when he walked in on his mom eating a whole bunch of bananas <laughs> with peanut you butter believe that's where he gets it from yeah. <laughs> it's a family trait like mother like son unbelievable i i was in shock it was, yeah, I, I I was happy for you that, like, those banana. I mean, you've been on Banana Watch. I've been we've on... Had some, <laughs> we've had some, like, lean episodes in terms of banana where you had to, like, be like, no, but it's still a thing. There were bananas in those pancakes or whatever. And I mean, then this was, was yellow, just, was like, mama will provide. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Uh, oh, okay, boy. we should get... I feel like we're, like, yeah. dancing around getting into the fucking story of this episode, okay. because it's... It's it's a doozy. There's a lot happening. Yeah, well, and it's, it's, it's the first time since the workshop, I think, where we have gotten this, like, great opportunity for a... Everybody's coming together. We get to sort of see, bounce around to a bunch of people's... But, I mean... Okay, so, Kate, for you, what was, like, the main... If you were to say, like, a plot of this episode, what what would you say? Like, where was your attention drawn to? Ooh, um, I feel like they wanted the A-plot to be Karen and Dev, but I was much more interested in the Rebecca, Ivy, Derek yes. yeah. trio. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay, well, so let's let's talk, um, let's talk Derek first. Okay. Sure. Because the episode starts with, with him. Right, it sol- starts with Megan Hilty, com- sorry, Ivy, coming in and solving an incredibly easy problem right. that he should have been able to solve himself. He's like a seasoned director, <laughs> 20 years. Like- He's like, move the actors one foot downstage. You know, like, move them into the light and have the set change be in the dark. <laughs> You're brilliant, you know that. <laughs> hey, that's, I, why I you. that's why I love you. That's why I love you. British accent. <laughs> Uh, um, so he, so, so here's the thing I wrote in my notes, which I haven't been looking at much lately, but I, I wrote this song captures like the magic of what it's like to do a show, to get into a theater, how exciting it is to see a bunch of shit come together until Derek is shouting about something dumb. That's, that's basically the whole episode. He immediately is that, like, pulls it down. Yeah. yeah. It's like it, this episode has a rare opportunity to really actually show people what a theatrical process is like to be in a tech rehearsal, to be in a 10 of 12 whatever and instead it's the director going on stage so that they can focus lights on him and screaming at people and doing nothing and it's which by the way him like jumping up on stage and doing that like delegit not not delegitimizes him but it like it makes him so much less powerful of a figure like think about like a chorus line where the whole time it's just like an offstage voice and you're incredibly compelled by that and you're like this person is important because they they're like the, and that's how a director feels during a tech rehearsal like that they're like sitting and on the god mic right, you're and like just wow this, this like guy voice. this guy zach in the back of the theater is really really powerful <laughs> right and, but him just I, him getting involved in everybody's personal lives it, it just like Terrible. makes it makes i mean we've talked about that a lot but it makes him just just a gross guy and not like yeah. you can't see him as a 
interesting director or whatever but um well from like a, a storytelling perspective at least like my my virgin smash eyes i'm i'm thinking like okay so what are they trying to do here are they trying to make it so that he has to get inevitably fired or because he's like a creep because he's like a gross person like are is that what they're working towards and i i don't know you both know so i honestly at, don't remember <laughs> at this point i don't think that's what they're working towards oh yikes uh i think that the show is trying to sell him as like a charming operator. They try to sell a lot of people as charming operators and it doesn't work all the time. But I think that he's supposed to be intending amorality and it's coming out as immorality. And he's just doing what he thinks he needs to do to achieve his ends. But he has such a messy big picture view that he's not doing it right. But I I think there is, there's, I mean, not a, but a continuation off of what you're saying. I think the show has a like fundamentally, problematic view of him in that like basically the way you get a good Marilyn performance is you let Derek fuck you in a Marilyn wig like yeah. that is essentially yeah. what I mean because that's like what he's or he's tried with with yeah. Karen mm-hmm. and then he did with Ivy and she was good and now like basically his solution to I have a star in this role who is not going to deliver is like well, let me have sex with her and see what happens. And the show kind of rewards him for it. So that's what's missing from Catherine McPhee's performance. Is <laughs> Jack Davenport's <laughs> <Yeah>. dick. Truly. <laughs> I don't I mean, that's not me saying that, but right. I do Sorry. feel but like that, I do feel like that's what the show is saying, kind of. Uh, which is fucked up. But like he's always telling her, like, you have to be more get into her sexuality, get like and it's all this stuff. It's just like that's basically the the moral viewpoint of the show at a certain point. Yeah, well, no one in the universe of the show has any respect for the people they have sex with, except maybe Karen Cartwright, but like not one single other person. I think Sam. Fundamentally. Sam. Uh, uh, I he, he he's a good Christian sports boy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just don't think Sam's a developed enough character for me to understand his not Nobody's a developed I, enough character. It's but they smashed. try with other people. Yeah, yeah. I also Sam don't think they're having sex. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was established. No, they, they are. Um, they, well, they have a weird makeout session on Sam's parents' porch with arms flailing everywhere yeah, until he gets says, interrupted. Whoa, two men kissing. It's like, two boys wow, kissing. Wow. Get a room, but not in here. <laughs> yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Which is like, them, I think that was them trying to be like, Look, his family's woke, but like still makes jokes about it or whatever. But it was just like, why don't have him yeah. say that? Just like have him. Uh, also, not to jump around too much, but it has been very not astab- jumping around. <laughs> I'm, you mean, your downstairs neighbors down? are furious. Um, he, it's been so established that he's a fan of New York sports teams. We have gone over so many times that he likes the Knicks and the Jets. No, did you just think about the Bruins or? So? Well, he's his whole family's from Boston. Yeah, we established. I mean. So what are they... Yeah, if you're into Boston sports, you don't stop being no. into Boston sports. Yeah, you're like a Red Sox That's, and Patriots fan. Right. Right? You're like... Like, Boston sports fans are the most loyal sports fans in the world. Yeah, like, except maybe, like, New York, the Cubs, like five the years fans. ago, and, and suddenly is a huge Knicks fan. He calls them my Knicks and my Giants. Yeah. It's, it's just very... It's just like, did, did literally no one in the writer's room think, oh, maybe we shouldn't make his family from Boston? Yeah. But maybe there's a reason. Yeah, there's probably it's gonna pay off. Yeah, maybe after he moved away from home, he switched teams. That's wow. right. He came out of the closet and out of the dugout. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> out of one dugout and walked across the field. And then a bunch of dudes were swinging their baseball bats around like they're little weenies. Uh, I want to see that number again. What, which number is that? What was that? Where the national pastime? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I don't want to see that number. I want to oh. see... Um, you want to see the sauna number. You like the sauna number. I did like the sauna oh, number. yeah. That's the one that Christian Borle sings yeah. the first time they show it, right? Yeah. yeah. They're really letting Christian sing now, which yeah, is well, it's really like, highlighting... Uh, although, I feel like in this episode when he was singing another opening, it didn't... It felt like they advised him to not give it his all, which makes sense because of the context in which he's singing it. But I was listening to it being like, you sound like a regular person with a good voice, not yes. a singer. Which, if they did advise him to that, I commend them for that. Because, like, that's what right. most, like, compose Like, if you listen to, like let's say Cole Porter, like if you hear a recording of Cole Porter and he's like, you know, another room, man, another, you know what I mean? Oh like, God, most- it's like he's in the room. <laughs> what? I said, it's like, he's in the room. I don't get it. Like, it's like Cole Porter is here with us right now. Oh, because oh, <laughs> my, my performance was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's like Goldie Hawn in everyone says, I love you. Everybody signed their contracts for that movie, not knowing it was a musical. And because Woody Allen wanted them all to sound like regular people and he's manipulative. Uh, and then she sang too well, and he was like, no, you gotta tone it down, because you don't sound like a regular person, you sound like someone who can sing. Right. Wow. Which, I don't get this. If you're making a musical, just let them sound good. Yeah, you can either be Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, or you can just have people who sound good. Just let them sound good. Yeah. Listen, they're both good actors. It's fine. They're big fans of the show. So I was, th- I was thinking of uh, uh, Russell Crowe and Les Mis. That, no, that's, that's unfortunate. That just wasn't nice to him. That was, no, they that shouldn't was not have given him that role. Yeah, that's not his fault. Well, well, it's, 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 he, it's, could, he could have been like, uh, wait, is this the thing I saw on Broadway, which has an amazing singer in it? Maybe I shouldn't do this, all right? <laughs> they're out in the darkness. Stars in their multitude. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, so, so, Derek is, it just doesn't make sense. He's, like, until one episode ago, he was just, like, furious at, at, uh, Rebecca Duvall. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. They're, like, now, they're getting close to tech. He's having to change tactics, but he's, she starts flirting with him. She sings happy birthday to him. All, all of this, Ivy's, like, watching and getting worried about their, um, flirtation, and then Ivy has formed this alliance last episode, I think, with Ellis, who feels like Ellis, they were, like, so gung-ho in the first half of the season about, like, he's the sneaky, devilish guy. And now they, like, have not, they are, they don't know what to do with him. Well, I mean, we I, don't know what to do with no, him as I, viewers. Yeah, he right. doesn't, there's no end game. He's just, no. like, being a scheming weirdo to be a scheming weirdo. But it's but like they de-escalated his schemingness. Like, in episode yeah. two, he stole the script. And now he's, like... He's, th- he's like, I'm usually the one that stands in the doorway. Like, don't they right. say that in this they episode? Do. He's like, I'm usually that one. Yeah, that's one of two, like, meta moments. The other one is where uh, Bobby or whoever's like, I'm Team Ivy in the same yes. It's like, okay, yeah, use the thing that they're using on Vulture or whatever. Cool. Ivy uh, becoming, like, Team Ellis diminishes her so much. Because she, even when she's being, like, scheming and manipulative, she's doing it with a goal of, like, elevating her career and getting opportunities and making sure that she's a person that people go to when they need a reliable performer until, you know, she is on drugs on stage and potentially ruins her career, but then doesn't because she set up all these relationships and also because it's fiction. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) when she then is like, oh, this Ellis guy who's never actually achieved anything except pissing people off, I better go take his tactics and join his team. It's 
it's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember something that when we when we talked with Jason Grote early on in the podcast, something he said was that also uh, co-wrote this episode. Who who wrote, yeah was one of the writers on this episode. No comment. Um, was uh, that like Megan Hilty was very okay? Like she was very. Uh, I just used the word gung ho, but I'll say it again: gung ho with them writing her as a villain. That, yeah. Like she, the, so I think it may have been a thing where, she, like, they were like, "Well, she kind of likes playing this, so we'll we'll write towards that." But it does; it hurts the character. Well, I think she probably realized that she's a good enough performer that she can play a villain without being pigeonholed as a villain because she's by far the standout on the show. Yeah, on a show that has a lot of really talented people on sure. it. Yeah. Also, side note, quick anecdote: uh, Megan Hilty either used to or still does live in my neighborhood, and. Uh, Shortly after Smash ended, I was walking by Whole Foods at 9 in the morning, and she came and tapped me on the shoulder and let me know that my skirt was bunched up under my backpack, and everyone could see my underwear. (laughs) And it took me a second to realize who she was, and once I did, as she walked away, I said, I love you in Smash. But she did not hear me versus leave, because I don't want to disincentivize her doing that in the future for other young women having wardrobe malfunctions. Sure. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Um, Okay, so so that's... Eventually, that all comes to a head with um, this scene that we mentioned of Derek seducing Rebecca by commenting on fine blonde body hair on Marilyn. Uh, she was luminous. She was luminous. They say it may have been. Be- <laughs> oh God! <laughs> As a ter- <laughs> they say it may have been. I think yeah. It's more like that. <laughs> <laughs> Junior, there's an old tale about a girl named Norma Jean. She eventually became Marilyn. They said she glowed because she was no Harry, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to do Sean Connery yeah. in the, th- in the <laughs> third Indiana Jones. Yeah. Prospector <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, uh, Ivy... So he was- seduces her because she's in the wig and the dress, I guess, and she, it, she's, it's, it's weird. So Uma Thurman, I think, has a, a moment of really terrific acting in this episode, actually, when she has the, the little scene with Karen about, about, like, you still get nervous? What? And her being like, I always thought that when I was successful, the fear would go away, but the fear never leaves you. And I was like, that was good acting that was like a good moment of acting it was it it made sense it was two characters connecting and then she comes out in the wig and the dress and just looks so unbelievably wrong she doesn't look like marilyn doesn't sing like marilyn and you're just like what is happening well okay so the only i don't want to defend this because i didn't like it although i I appreciate this i feel like where they were going with that is that she isn't just scared that the audience is going to respond negatively to her she's scared that the audience responding negatively to her the nervousness that she's having about performing is going to lead to things changing in the show or her casting changing so that she is no longer getting this opportunity when we've already established that her career is going downhill. And that's part of why she's staging all of these pictures with Karen so that she's still relevant. And so by being all sexy for Derek, it's a way of being like, Hey, there are reasons to keep me around. Even if the performance leaves something to be desired. Damn. I did not think of it like that at all. Well, I don't know if that's actually what they were going for. I feel like was, giving I them don't, a little too much yeah. credit, but that's a good story. Like that's I would what it like them have been. to have been. You should write for Smash. I mean, there's I something. I I think I think you're probably I think you're probably right that that is that like when they broke the story, that's what they were thinking. I think they they often do a bad job of communicating that through like 
dialogue. <laughs> like it just, it does just, there's like too much going on that they don't, that no story really gets its full due. But I guess that's, I guess that's right. She's, there is an interesting, there's an interesting thing of like, a lot of people would see a big movie star doing a Broadway show as like, they're just dropping into this world and they don't need this. But that idea that like, no, actually to her, this is, this is even higher stakes than if she weren't a movie star. Cause the whole world will be watching what she's doing. Like people are going to pay attention and judge her for it. So that sense of like, I'm here around a bunch of seasoned professionals who had a million shows open and to whom this is just another, like, yeah, we're used to tech being a drag and we're used to actors dropping out of the wrong last moment. But for her, it's like, no, this is nervous. Cause this is my first time doing this. Yeah. That's yeah, that's legitimate. I like not to comment on either of these two performers as people, but just where they are in their careers. I think she's a little bit more Lauren Ambrose in My Fair Lady than um, uh, Emma Stone in Cabaret. Because, like, Emma Stone didn't need to do Cabaret. I don't know what Lauren Ambrose's plan was or if she's trying to fully pivot to theater, but she's not someone who's been constantly appearing on TV like right. she used to sure. in the last few years leading up to that. I think well, Lauren she's, Ambrose she's is six trying. feet under. Yeah, yeah, she's six feet under. I think she's been trying to star in a Funny really Girl revival for like fifteen years. I believe oh, okay. she's been like really trying to get a Funny Girl revival to happen, and it just hasn't. I have not seen her in My Fair Lady, but she was nominated for a Tony. So yeah. I saw Norbert Leo Butts at the Tonys having the goddamn time of his life, which was <laughs> so funny. I think I've talked about it before. It's yeah, just him. If you, you should watch the Tony performance, listeners, if you have not. It's just him literally slapping his knee and going like, yeah. <laughs> like over and over again for but 15 minutes marty and i should say that we as smash bros are on a mission to um insult all of the other best because st- we had gray on we have to sort of denigrate all the other oh, nominees true, true. for the role that, yeah um hmm. yeah gray should have won yeah. oh, he was so wonderful in mean girls he was so so good oh. so let, let's get back into this because we got a lot to talk about still yeah um, we're, we're basically only one storyline in. Yeah, i mean I, the karen insane. the karen and dev stuff i don't know Karen and Dev at the, I mean, it's just a bunch of people making bad decisions and yelling at each other over their bad decisions. And I'm just like, I'm not interested. I'm not. Uh, Dev I, went from being boring to being just like, awful. Yeah, awful. <laughs> Clearly, from they're to trying. Bastard. Well, the thing that you were saying earlier about Derek, I think that's actually what they're trying to do with Dev. I think uh, they were like, Dev's not working. Let's make it so that they break up and she doesn't have to have any remorse about it. Which is so weird because he, he spends the entire first 12 episodes being quietly supportive and put upon but mostly we've seen little hints of like him you know like very early on there was like the dinner she didn't make it to like there there's there's been seeds of this sort of imbalance of them both having very disparate career paths where they both sort of need the other person to let them do their thing right and we have seen him be a little possessive in that way but yeah for the most part he's been like just sort of the like boring boyfriend at home yeah but the kissing another woman is not what made him so awful in this episode what made him so awful is kissing another woman then then rushing to boston pulling yeah to propose pulling her out of rehearsals ignoring her professional obligations despite the fact that she he expects her to respect his and then proposing to her and then waiting until after she had been like i can't make this decision right now i need more time to to break the news p.s uh i cheated on you like were you gonna tell me that if i said yes or or? were you thinking that a proposal would absolve you of all wrongdoing right well, we do get the best line in the in the episode, though, which is the proposal. And then she says, I'm in tech, 
which is very good. <laughs> well, I love the the later line. She repeats that she's in tech so much, but I love the later line when she says, um, "I'm not going to get engaged during tech, especially not to someone who cheats on me." <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ooh, oh, the Smash is a show about people leaving scenes. Like leaving every, interesting mm-hmm. scenes. Yes. And then Have we talked about this before? No, I don't think so. I yeah, Smash is basically a show that every scene is ends by a person walking towards a door. It's like how if you watch like the old the the old sequel, the old prequel Star Wars, it's like everyone is just in like a mid shot walking somewhere. Uh-huh. This is literally every scene ends with someone walking towards a door, always, no matter what leaving a conflict it's like can we just linger there for a second yeah it feels like they're afraid to run out of momentum on scenes so they just like drop the idea of the scene and then walk out of it before anything can outstay its welcome to to use a nerdy improv term Mm -hmm. but we're all on the same page there it's like when you see some like a a 301 herald class or whatever where they're like we got the game, yes, and then somebody sweeps the yep. scene. Where it's oh like, no, no, God. no, you got the game. Now hit <laughs> now the game. It. Now play the time. goddamn game. It's so frustrating. Like I've seen that a million times in improv, and it's it's essentially that where they have so, they're so interested in burning story that they don't even light a match on like character or yeah. nuanced scene work. It's yeah. all just about okay, we got it. Yeah, yeah, move on, move on, move on. Well, and the thing that really is frustrating about this story is that. Uh, so Karen is trying to be a good girlfriend and there are like ways that her job gets in the way of her relationship, but she's, she loves him. She cares about him. She's really trying right? and she still can't have a healthy relationship. And the right. moral of this show seems to be if you work in theater in any capacity, you cannot have a good relationship that's awesome. successful. Right. And it's like, they're going to Boston for two weeks to tech the yeah. show and then presumably have probably like a six week run or whatever. But like, it's not, it's New York, like, he reacts in a terrible, I mean, we've already said that he's bad, but, like, his, they've been there, like, one day, and he's like, I'm coming down. Like, I, I need to see you. Pulls her out of rehearsal. I mean, it's just, if you are. Then he's like, by the way, can I watch? <laughs> can, I, no. can I watch your show for free real quick? Yeah. If he has obsessive insecure attachment issues, we should have seen that much, much earlier. Right. Right, that should have come up somewhere in the Bollywood number. He should. We should have seen oh, him like God. grabbing, yeah, her. like reaching for yeah. her while people like drag him on a dolly away from her, and he has his hands out like an old witch. But yeah, it was. I was just so frustrated because it's like that's. I mean, that is a thing when you work in a job with like weird hours. People aren't going to understand that. Like working in TV and trying to have relationships, or working in theater, with like it. It comes from a place of truth, but it is done in such a mask work way on this show where it's the most over-the-top version of yeah. a jealous boyfriend where it's just like come on guys yeah it's like the commedia dell'arte version of, yeah yeah that's although good. i didn't mind the dev rj scene because the actors do have chemistry and yeah, it felt a like a more human moment than, yeah i did not like her saying it really feels like you can do this or yeah. whatever like that was gross and unnecessary and also seemed like a boner joke but i wasn't totally sure it was a boner, it was a boner joke it was, yeah it was okay. it was for sure boner my joke. boner meter went off the chart <laughs> my, my dick went off the chart <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah that scene was it was fine i mean it's it's again it's a lot of times i feel like i say this a lot but it's just like it's what that scene should be like right, it's just like it's that scene up, yeah they she doesn't seduce him but they are obviously she comes in, in she has other. a bottle he of has, bourbon exactly. he's like you brought that thinking i was i, I do like derek voice i mean <laughs> i can't he's like, i can't do oh, let me try to get dev he's like, dev is, he's like 
Did you bring that for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, pretty good. Yeah. Did you right? bring that for me? You, I am a I, master no, like, impressionist. Yeah, that's, that's very good. <laughs> I Unfortunately, am, I am only Frank Smash Caliendo of Smash characters. <laughs> Just of British Smash character, like or British all, Isles all both of in them. general. Yeah. No, you got a, you got Nick. I got Nick. That's true. Um, but yeah, so that scene was good, and that scene sort of pivots into. Um, the scene that feels like it was lifted out of the Showtime version of the show, which is the last scene between Dev and Ivy at the bar. Yeah. Right. Which I want to talk about. Because here's my question. So they are at the... So Dev they has a big falling out with Karen. Ivy has her weird storyline where she finds out... I'm skipping ahead because we are because we don't, don't have time to... No, no, no. We jump around all the time. So Ivy gets hurt by Derek because he's sleeping with Uma Thurman, Rebecca Duvall... Um, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, Times Square, Marilyn, Times Square, Ellen, oh, yes. Marilyn Man. uh, Square, Ellen Manson, Square, Manson, <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> and so Dev ends up at the bar. Ivy ends up at the bar. They're inadvertently seated next to each other. Right. Dev says, can I buy you a drink? Ivy thinks he's cute, says yes. Now here's the question, friends. They've got to know each other, right? Here's, well, what do you think? As I remember it, one of them knew and one of them didn't. They okay. both know shortly after. I don't remember which one. Because and they, I could be wrong. See, my thought was, and you're probably right because you've seen it much more recently of what the fallout of this is. But my thought was that I kind of thought I was like, oh, didn't they? Haven't they met? But then I was like scrolling through. I'm like, okay, I don't think they actually have met. It's sort of but played they like both heard each other's names and that's the thing there's no way and they're both unique names right and no way he doesn't know the name dev there's a girl here who looks like marilyn monroe named (laughs) ivy right and 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 the way it's played about dev a lot too and she the way it's played is that she seems like she knows i thought watching it they both knew i actually thought i didn't love the plot point of them hooking up but i did think the scene i thought the but if they don't both know, I don't like it as much anymore. But I kind of thought it was a nice little moment of like one realizing, the other realizing, and then both of them just being like, "Yeah, I'm still doing this." Oh, I might have missed that. That might be what it is. I might be I, remembering. Wrong. I don't know. I mean, it's who knows. It's possible <laughs> that in the next episode, one is trying to be coy about it and the other isn't, or something right. like that. But they're definitely not on the same page after this moment. Right. At some point. Okay. Right. Interesting. Uh, just gonna hedge my bets here and be real vague. I think, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like the obvious thing would be that, like, Dev would try to hide it and Ivy would try yeah. to flaunt it. Yeah. Well, because Ivy is doing that thing that female characters on television always do, where instead of being mad at Derek, she goes through this mental sequence of all the other women Derek is interested in and is mad at them. Right, and has to systematically right. yeah, destroy them. Somehow. Yeah, that's like some real, uh, like, Sudoku she's doing there of, like, okay, if Derek is right. sleeping with Rebecca, well, let's see, Derek at one point had a crush on Ka- on karen okay i'll I'll do that like it's a complicated yeah well every time you belt a rose royce number you have to go through a mental image of all the times that your boyfriend has looked at other women <laughs> right. but never from the angle at which you would have seen it right. oh my Only god from that's the angle at which so the camera would have. funny also like they didn't have like quite enough clips of that happening yeah, yeah. so it, it felt just like felt... it should have been like four <laughs> or at least three and it was and one it was and a two. half <laughs> like... yeah with like the gauzy filter yeah. like the yeah that was weird uh, yeah the sing-off in the hotel room they're having like Which, a, they say they call like they call it a sing-off they and say it's, it's gonna be a sing-off <laughs> and i get that she leaves for a reason but like you gotta pay that off if you say they're gonna have a sing-off i want to see i want to see it like a dueling singers yeah i want to see like a pitch yeah. perfect like, in the pool 
You know, when they're in the, the drained pool? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, the you said pool. Yes. I pictured a full pool. Yeah. And I just couldn't get it. And then you say you know, drain pool. Under, I'm they're like, underwater. Yep. They're sing- this crab <laughs> is singing a song, and God knows what the guy's talking about. Oh, it's not pitch perfect. That's what? Little Mermaid. No, no, no. It's Anna Kendrick. She's wearing the seashells on her breasts. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a cartoon, Marty. Oh, what? I'm sorry. I can't see. I, every movie looks like a cartoon to me. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, okay. What other plot points do we have? What, what Honestly, we have a lot more to go. Well, okay. We got Julia. We got Julia. And oh, God, that's like a huge plot. We got Julia oh, and no. Michael Swift. Yeah, so Julia's so buff- making. We, we bam. We smash cut. Julia's making pancakes. <laughs> Again. Which, like, why is this a plot point that Julia can't make pancakes? I don't know. I don't know. No. Julia can't do anything. She can't dress herself. She, she can't really... be a reasonable person. Right. She can't have a sex scene that actually turns anyone on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess it's just like, because, like, she's the Teresa Rebeck fill-in character. It's just her being, like, masochistic as a writer. Like, I'm Kathy! I don't know what I'm doing! But it just, it, uh, yeah. So the, she and Frank are, like, back together-ish. Can we make it official? And she finds out that, um, That Michael Ted Swift, yeah, because Batista leaving. has to go back to the WWE. And yeah. so he, Michael Swift has to step back into right. the role. Uh, and they don't have will chase for the the episode so we never see michael so yeah. clearly his contract uh had a limited number of episodes he's not in it but uh it's just she's like threatening to quit the play if they bring him back uh i don't know if he has an understudy is is there should be an understudy right. but also i think it's absurd that uh, like they lampshade this uh that you've seen actors come in the day before and go on but, like, really, truly, they could get anyone to do this part. They right. don't need it to be They're Michael Swift. And I don't think Michael Swift is amazing. out of town trial. No. He wasn't. No. He wasn't amazing at La Mama either. Right. Uh, that Bruno Mars joint. Just within the show. Like, I'm sure the actor is incredible, but right. I haven't been impressed by the character of yeah, Michael Yeah, no, Swift. they haven't shown him really doing anything that great. He's been a perfectly serviceable And it seems like performer. he has, like, two songs in the show. <laughs> Like, yeah, we, there's yeah. like, it's like Mr. and Mrs. Bass, Smith, and, and oh yeah, I guess there's the the bat swing song. I don't and history is made at night. Is that there's a few? There's Lexington forty second or fifty. He's the male lead, you know, whatever. I guess he is, but it's like a very Maryland heavy musical. Mm. But um, but yeah, they could easily bring somebody else in. And instead, it becomes this massive conflict that Julia is not going to do the show. And then, you know, finally, thank God they don't stretch this for more. I was at least thankful because when this happened, I was like, look. Yes, from a personal level, that sucks. But Julia, I mean, it's just that Julia's written like a crazy person, so she can't just be reasonable, which is not, again, not the actor's fault, not, you know, it's not Deborah Messing's fault, it's not, no. but it's like that she's written to be so insane that instead of just saying, like, well, if my husband is okay with this, I can put this aside and just, not to say, like, if my husband gives me permission. Though, in that, fairness, that, that, Frank's pretty un- he's okay a, yeah, he's it, a but... He also has a weird reaction, which I don't really buy... I mean, I, I think I do buy, I kind of buy both of them, because they've, like, this affair has just ended. I guess that's the problem with the episode, though, is that it feels like we have jumped three months in the future, it does which is what you're way, saying. I don't think we have. No, I think, I think it is. Maybe it, no, week. it's only a week, because they've they've only been back to get, like, we saw them kind of reconcile at the end of the previous episode. I, I think the the... The better solution is to bring somebody else in. I think if we're just accepting that you can't bring somebody else in... I don't know them going there the idea of like i'll go to boston but only if you guys come with and they go i actually i think that's 
I liked that solution. Yeah, yeah. the family yeah. volunteering it makes a lot of sense. Two week uh, school vacations don't exist in the public school system, but aside from that, it, also, like, it's a great solution. Frank's not a teacher. He's not a teacher yet. He wants to be a teacher again, but she treated it like he I was. Thought he was yeah, a I thought he was. Yeah, he went teacher. back to teaching chemistry. Yeah. Did he just immediately get a job teaching? I think again? so. I think yeah. I thought he. I thought there was a whole thing about like I need to. I'm taking classes to get my like teacher oh, certification I again. I don't know. I'm probably wrong, but I didn't think he. Was oh, a they actually explain it in the song that he doesn't sing. In the <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, then there. So Eileen is on her on the uh, Eileen Industries jet uh, from from <laughs> yeah, Boston she's on Rand Towers, yeah. and she shows up yeah. wearing a short skirt and knee high stiletto boots Truly. to see her boyfriend, yeah. yep. looking great, Angelica Houston. I'll talk to uh, I'll talk to Julia when I go up to New York to fuck my Irish bartender <laughs> yeah. boyfriend. I need him. Yep. <laughs> like, she's she's uh, they're very they're a very sexual couple, and they make um, a dick joke too. Well, not a dick joke, but like a sex joke, kind of. Uh, you the You're you won't have time, time later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's at this height, we can't go down. <laughs> <laughs> so the plot of Chopper Copper uh, yes. uh, is uh, that they're on a helicopter that yes. can't go below a certain height, correct? And they have to have sex the whole time. Well, it's a <laughs> sex-powered helicopter. <laughs> The Mile High Copper Chopper, chopper. Wow. Caper. Caper. Oh my god. <laughs> my dreams are coming true in this moment. Um, okay, what else is in this episode? Ellis did his thing. We covered yeah, that. Ellis, um, uh, I oh, wrote in oh my notes. Tom, and, Tom and Sam. You kind of have to get into that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I actually thought this was generally a nice story. Yeah, I think it's an effort to yeah. show, like, hey, let's let's uh, let's hear it for the, the, the folks. Let's hear it for the other folks. You know, it's like, a, <laughs> you know, that old, that old saying, let's hear it for the folks. other folks. No, but, like, you know, there are people whose lives can, whose careers can end so quickly and tragically and you know i think it's i think it was trying to pull the curtain back a little bit and say like hey did you know that most dancers don't dance after 30 like you know well that and i think it also was a nice way to sort of address the uh, to give us a little more of the idea of tom and sam's relationship like tom's significantly older than sam and having him connect with sam's dad and sam get mad about that and have it be this sort of I don't know, like, that feels true to life of an older significant other meeting the parents and, like, being suddenly kind of fatherly toward the boyfriend. You're like, fuck you, why, you're not my dad. I don't know, like, that, I kind of liked that that scene. Yeah, this felt like real human drama and was one of the episodes where you could tell that there were playwrights writing the show because yeah. that's a storyline that you would see, a storyline isn't how you'd put it in a play, <laughs> but it felt like a, a piece of human conflict that you would in a play. The only part that didn't ring true for me was two I boys just, kissing. <laughs> well, that. But I don't believe that Tom, who works in theater and has for his whole life, would yeah. try to. Uh, I don't want to say uh, talk someone out of a career that right. they're successful in in the arts, but uh, to be that concerned about Sam when like. His whole career is built on there being young people available to sing and dance on stage. Well, and also, he has the perfect opportunity to, in that scene with the dad, be like, you know what? That is true. And that's a thing that he should be worried about. But a lot of people then go on to be choreographers things. or they go on to, like, 
you know, sometimes they'll be end up being like a director or they go back to grad school and do it like to be like, Open you know, a what, studio, I've, right, yeah, a teaching right. artist. to be like, I've worked on Broadway for like 20 years. And let me tell you, I've seen a lot of people get injured, but then I've seen a lot of people have great success after that. Like he's in a position to do that. And he's already doing well. Like he right. is uh, going to be in Hamilton in a couple of years. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as we know, you know, he, well, Things go well for him even after Smash. Sure. So, I it doesn't seem likely that someone would be like, "Hey, you know this career that you're succeeding in that so many people fail at? Don't do it because what if someday you break your leg and have to find an alternative income source? Yep. Find that alternative income source now!" Right. If he breaks his leg, he can just go and be in Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep. I just listened to your last episode. So. I it actually just clicked with me that he is in that. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, he's. Fine. <laughs> it's not his fault. No. But he's very forgettable in it. Uh, what else? Anything else in this episode? Why are they all celebrating his birthday like he's not a bastard? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my notes. I don't... Yeah, it's like... Does, I don't know if we know, like, what the cast in general thinks of Derek. They don't... Well, no, we know they dislike him. Like, they gossip about him and Yeah, Ivy Bobby's and standing that. off to the side saying that he's waiting for him to have a nervous breakdown or something. Right, right. But uh, you'd still you'd still sing happy birthday for, for yeah. the boss man. He's a he's an important director. I guess. I just want to see more of I guess I want to see more in Derek of the Jack Davenport and Coupling who is yes. so fun. He's and charming. I can't believe you're bringing up Coupling because I've wanted really? to talk about Coupling. I love he's coupling. so good in Coupling. He's so good. He's phenomenal. I like can't imagine that. I've I've he's, never seen it. It's like a, I like can't ridiculous. It's like, like, like a sexier, like. It. It's like a sexier friends. Yeah. With British people, right. for people who have not seen the show before. Which not then sexy, they tried to do one of those, It is like, sexy. Well, it's a British show, so they can be Right, they can be a little raunchier. Yeah, people. a little... A little um, it's more explicitly about sex, whereas there were different plot lines on Friends beyond just the sex yeah, stuff. Sometimes Joey would, like, put a bunch of coats on or something. Like, too many clothes. Right, and this is a show where one of the characters collects women's ears in a bucket. Uh, not actually, that's a deep cut, but that's just a speech that one of them accidentally makes to a woman who doesn't speak English, gotcha. and it's very, very funny, it's and like, I'm sorry for that you niche reference. Silence of the Lambs is a sexy <laughs> movie? Uh, what's our definition of sexy here? On the boner scale, what's the... Uh, is that what know. it was called? The boner scale? Yeah, the, yeah. the uh, that was the Kinsey boner scale, I think <laughs> is what right. it was called. But um, I, don't know. I didn't see Silence of the Lambs because everything looks like a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Hans <laughs> Lamb's a dark cartoon. It's a very strange cartoon. I guess, all I mean by that is that uh, Jack Davenport is able to be funny and charming. Absolutely. And considering how wildly different just those two characters are, not even considering all of his other work. Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> right. Well, no, he's done a lot of things. But I want to see him bring a little of that genuine charm into Derek because Derek is just so icky and creepy that it feels like the only way that he succeeds with women is by making them feel Putting uncomfortable and small. Wig on them. And- <laughs> yeah. It's just by being like, I'm in command here. You're the submissive right. person in this interaction and therefore it'll go the way I want it to. Yeah. And I want to see him actually charm someone for right. real. And it would be a much more morally ambiguous and like tougher like it would be more a more interesting watch if like he were a very charming guy, but you're also like, oh, but this is also very inappropriate. And like if, but to, he, he's just such a mustache twirling villain that it just feels flat. Like it doesn't feel very interesting to watch. You're not, you don't, you don't 
have anything that you're like, oh, I like that guy, but why is he treating women that way? Yeah, because I would love to see a version of this where he and Ivy seemingly genuinely become really interested in each other at this point in the production. Rather than her just like hearing common aphorisms and being like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. And that would also make the, the stuff with Rebecca more interesting and dramatic because if he has genuine feelings for Ivy that's causing him to be conflicted in his normal way of manipulating the actress who's now in the lead role, then what does that mean for him? But right. instead he just is completely divorced from any self-reflection. Right. Yeah. <sighs> so what's... where Marty... I mean, where, 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 what do you feel? And we got, we got like only a couple episodes left here. Uh, what is, what, what does this episode make you? This episode is, this episode is interpersonal conflict spinning wildly towards nothing. <laughs> does yeah. that make sense? No, yes. it does. Yeah. That it's, it's so much, it's, it's, a, I think it's a, unfortunately, a missed opportunity to really show what, but you know, maybe the show doesn't want to be that. Maybe I just want the show to be a show about Broadway and about about creating a show. But I think it's such a missed opportunity to see how a show gets made. In yeah, fact, to and see in, like that we've rehearsed it in a space, and now like what's what's it like, like with oh, the costumes and let's, the yeah. There's no production staff there. Like there's no lighting no designer. Designers. There's no costume designers. There. Derek's a one-man operation. He's yeah, sewing the costumes. I guess so. Everything. I don't know. I. It's just hard. It's just like where. So where are we going to take this? Because well, okay, if the so show, I, I have to assume that the final episode is this show opening on Broadway. If final, it's not, uh, that's crazy, right? Of this season. Of this or, season. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I. I think it is, but I do not yeah. remember. Uh, I actually no. I don't. I think it maybe only goes through... Like the preview? I think it maybe only goes through the Boston opening, possibly? That's I'm not sure. Crazy. It, the show does go to Broadway. I'm going to assure you of that now. Eventually. Yeah. Well, okay. So, Kate, then the, my question to you is what? what's your... What what sage wisdom can you give Marty about going forward with Smash? Especially since you've recently rewatched it, like... After um, stopping at this episode. Right. <laughs> right. This is right. And I think stopped. we can understand why you stopped at this episode. I mean, I think that there are loose ends that are tied up by the in addition to them adding some new conflicts or new versions of existing conflicts in the last two episodes of the season. Uh, but the reason I would stick with it is because the second season they redo the formula and it is um a different show in a lot of ways and you focus on different people than you're you become accustomed to and the conflicts change a lot and it's worth seeing whether you like that better or differently that's totally fair i've i've purposely looked up read nothing about it because i'm very very intrigued to see what season two is going to be like i also think they bring in different or more songwriters for season two i know they have a joe iconis song that i listened to and i was like oh that's the pace and paul song nope that's the joe iconis song it's great yeah it's really good we're trying to get him on yeah um yeah well that's i mean that's about it i think uh i'm i'm interested to see too what season two because i watched it so long ago that like my vague memory is that I liked it more than season one, but like reading online and stuff, there were such disparate views of whether season two was like a pretty good fix that like kind of made it a workable show or whether it just was made it even worse. Like people, there's very yeah. differing opinions out there and I'm interested to see what I feel I think six years later. One of the problems with season one is that, uh, 
Some of the performances are not ideally directed, and I think that problem persists in season two, but yeah. with new and different performers. Right. We, we, right. we get new uh, new bad performances. Um, <laughs> I guess well, before, we, before we wrap up here, I just want to pull up one thing, which is I zoomed in on the wall of the theater when Ivy catches Rebecca and Derek you know when uh, rebecca's assistant is like no don't go in the room right now they're, they're in the mile high chopper club exactly yeah. um on the wall is written end of days which is i guess they i guess end of days had an out-of-town tryout sure at we've theater. seen the poster oh right Th- that was the the terrible show they yes went. so i guess yeah, end yeah. of That's days also had an out-of-town there was also job, a set deck. director of loose cannon and also another show called for the birds okay wow which is a great well, pixar a um, uh, short live action <laughs> yeah 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 because yeah. <laughs> i cannot see him <laughs> oh, but so animated things are that's called oh wait yeah, so is that for what else is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Used to be. heightening <laughs> solid heightening um, all right well kate so thank you so much for for being on do you have anything you'd like to to plug uh this episode comes out in tomorrow eight hours. <laughs> yeah. um i mean if anyone's curious uh a 20-minute musical that I wrote the book for um, with two wonderful collaborators, Alison Freeman and John King, about Elizabeth Batori, the Blood Countess, uh, is going up at the New York Public Library of the Performing Arts on September 20th. Awesome. And um, every month, my improv team, Duran Duran Duran, hosts a wonderful show called Trivial Comedy that's a mix of... It's a variety show with lots of different comedy acts, and we do trivia in character between sets. So it's a great time at the pit. Uh, you can check their website to find when the next one is. I love that awesome. concept. That's great. Um, yeah, somebody with actual stuff to plug. People are usually just like, I, I don't know. Twitter. My Twitter. <laughs> also, I'm not going to... Don't, don't tell anyone I was on this. <laughs> um well marty don't tell anybody i was on this episode (laughs) don't tell anyone i was on this (laughs) and until next week smash Smash you later later. to find more smash bros go to smashbros.fun that's s-m-a-s-h-b-r-o-s dot f-u-n or find us on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Smash Bros. is produced in New York City by me, Marty Scanlon, and hosted by me and Jimmy Blackman. I'm on Twitter, at Jimmy Blackman, and Marty is at MCScan. If you know Brian Darcy James and think he would be down to do this podcast and maybe sing on it for us, what the hell are you doing? Tell him to email us at podcastsmashbros at gmail.com. We'll see you next week on The Great White Way. And now... Brian Darcy James. So he's been handed a menu. Kate's a conspiracy theorist who thinks he's not seeing it for the first time. Now you see why I think that. Yeah. I think he's reading text that's been, I think they've placed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An excellent mustache. Yeah. Very Magnum PI. Very. Or yeah. Richard and Monica. Very Burt Reynolds has to be Topical. <laughs> Just white sweat <laughs> off his heavy eyebrows. So, this is a series of songs or something else? There are three. This is great. I don't know who these people are, but if they do this bit, you should come on the podcast. Yes, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I'm trying to write him a song. What was this thing?
one to speak to. No. Customer care team member. Like they had this guy like two step in the back. <laughs> and they just zoomed in to cut off. We don't talk enough. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but we don't talk enough when we watch these about how Smash could have used this. Like, they could have had, they could have written him a character where he got to fucking sing every episode. Really yeah. Good. Why doesn't he record Julia's demos? Like, exactly. writers There's, have the people they know who sing while record yep, their demos. Yep. <laughs> and then you know what happens. Then when they fucking say, Michael really Swift, need. when Michael Swift, when when what's his name leaves, they're like, oh, why doesn't your husband fucking do it? Right. It's, 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 it's so easy, people. I was in the whip and poop, but I'll come and do it. It's easy. That's another menu. <laughs> They've gotten to the point where they're just like writing, writing yeah. lyrics for it. They're not even trying to. This is like testing the idea that I'd watch that guy read the phone book. Yeah. There's like a really famous Elton John video like this where he does a um, an oven manual and he actually improvises. And it's very good. Well, this isn't that far off from the video they now do on Virgin. I think it's Virgin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great video. He's so good. He's amazing. I think we need to get on record. He was wearing a yellow Puma shirt and a blazer over it. (laughs) And Shrek makeup. Bye! (laughs) Bye!